When I met Jack for our last session, he said that he had found our sessions helpful, but he felt that there was something missing. He said our goal as psychiatrists was to treat mental illness, but there was more to it that we missed out on. He wanted to discuss human well-being and spirituality. He said I have been digging into this myself and I have some advice that I would like you to use for your patients and for your listeners. I am Dr. Rajiv Parinja. Welcome back to Brain Politics. Today is our 10th and last session before we take a break. In closing our discussion, we will consider some ideas that improve well-being and try to define spirituality in a way that is broadly accessible regardless of one's religious beliefs or lack of them. Jack started the session by summarizing his understanding of our happiness set point, something we have discussed in previous sessions. He expressed some dissatisfaction with the idea. Jack said, I think what you told me in our earlier sessions is that we have a happiness set point. For me, I think it is about a 6 out of 10. If my mental health is good, I will wake up feeling about a 6 out of 10. If I go into a depressive episode, that number will drop lower and you could treat it and probably bring it back to the 6 out of 10. If I do things that take me rapidly to an 8 or 9 out of 10, such as using drugs, the brain compensates and can reset my baseline to a number lower than 6 out of 10. There really isn't a way to go above 6 out of 10 and stay there. Is that fair? I think that's a fair summary, I told him. Most things that lead to a rapid rise in your pleasure levels do so by stimulating your reward system. They inevitably lead to a compensatory drop in your pleasure levels. Jack said, I will tell you something that happened that I believe led to a change in my happiness set point. You know how I feel about my life. It could have been way better. I started out really well, but the financial crisis threw me off. I lost my job at the investment bank and then had to work as a math teacher for much lower pay. And then I got arthritis and I couldn't keep up with that job. Now I am disabled and that has been hard for me. But something happened recently that makes me take a completely different look at everything. It is really bizarre. I recently moved back to my hometown. I rented an apartment because that is all I can afford at this time. I hardly have any savings, but I get enough money in disability to be able to put food on my table. One of my neighbors happens to be a guy from my high school class. He told me that he was diagnosed with a neurological condition in his 20s, and since then he has been on disability. He never had a lot of money, he never got to travel and do all the things that I have done. And yet, he is happier than I am. 
he is a peer support to other people who get his condition he has managed to make social connections in the neighborhood when we talked about our lives and caught up on all the time that has gone between graduating high school and now i told him all the things that i had done after school and he was like you've had an amazing life that must feel awesome i had to nod my head but i did not feel awesome i was thinking about this because it makes no sense he started out poorly he never had any money but he still had a good life and feels pretty good about himself i had a pretty rich and varied life getting a lot of things that i wanted in the early part of my life now i end up in the same apartment complex as him but i feel miserable i realized that if somebody had given me a choice between his life and my life early on i would always have chosen my life because it was so good in the early part the reason i feel miserable is that i have defined that early part as my baseline and when i see myself compared to that baseline i am lower my friend on the other hand has defined his early life as his baseline and his current life is actually not that different from his baseline he tries to build up from his baseline by helping other people which gives him meaning and he feels awesome i have been reading up on it there is a greek philosopher who talks a lot about setting your baseline his name is epicurus he said give me plain water and a loaf of barley bread and i will dispute the prize of happiness from zeus himself zeus was a greek god you know said jack when things go wrong in our lives we bargain with fate and agree to settle for a lot less than we have if we could get something back that was important to us that should be our baseline everything else is play i don't think bread and water will be enough for me but a roof over my head food on the table clean clothes to wear is a good place for me to start i have been fortunate to live a life with some wealth for some part of it and that was a privilege thinking in this way has really moved my happiness needle up one notch jack said i have been interested in spirituality I wonder what impact spirituality has on somebody's happiness set point. I wonder why mental health professionals don't talk about it. It is difficult to talk about issues related to religion and spirituality, I told him, because people have widely varying beliefs depending on their religious background. It is not that psychiatrists haven't been interested in it. Carl Jung was a famous psychiatrist who has written extensively about it. He even stated that in his experience religion and spirituality were an important issue to address in almost any patient that he saw who was over a certain age usually over 30s to understand spirituality better let's go with jack into a dream in his dream he is back in his spaceship et who is now a good friend of his is at his side they are traveling through space when jack asks et about human life on earth you have seen us for such a long time it seems a little strange that pretty much everything that we consider as our history happened in the last 4 to 5000 years 
and that is only 2% of the total time our species has spent on this planet. You must have a very different perspective on our existence. Where do you think we should go from here? That is a very broad question, says E.T. We observe intelligent life forms on many planets and we try not to interfere in what they are doing. Your current situation is a little concerning for us. Though you have made tremendous progress in understanding of the world and the universe in the last 200 years, your technology has become problematic in a lot of ways. You are nowhere near being able to survive and thrive in space. You are only adapted for life on planet Earth. And yet, you tend not to consider what impact your activities will have on the cycles on your planet that have allowed nature to continue producing more and more complex life forms over the millennia. You see, nature recycles everything pretty much 100%. You guys need oxygen to extract energy from the food you eat. You exhale carbon dioxide, which plants use with energy from the sun to make the food that you eat. There are cycles for water, nitrogen, sulfur, and pretty much anything that is used by living things. When you produce things that are not a part of the cycle, there will always be a limit to how much you can produce before you clog up the planet. You are producing millions and millions of tons of stuff that is not a part of any cycle. And you are also using up so much natural resources that you are putting all kinds of natural cycles out of balance. You also have new technology that you have invented, which allows you to distribute data very easily. This is problematic because now people make money by getting your attention. You have advertisements on screens such as televisions and computer screens. You have advertisements on radio and you get flyers in your mail. To capture your attention, people use all kinds of tricks to elicit emotions so they can hold your attention. Your news and social media information is making you fearful and then angry. Fear holds your attention and anger can be rewarding by making you fantasize defeat and humiliation of the people that you're angry with. Your world was a far more dangerous place in the past, but people just did not have that amount of information in the way that you now have and they actually felt safer. You feel a lot less safe now despite your world being a lot less dangerous. That was a lot for Jack to take in, but he wrote down some points. And then Jack wanted to know about spirituality from E.T. E.T. laughed at the question. To understand spirituality, said E.T., you must first tell me, what is the one thing that no religion asks you to do? Jack pondered that question for a moment. What kind of question is that, he says. What is the one thing that no religion asks you to do? I don't even know the things that religions ask people to do. How would I know what they don't ask you to do? I will give you a clue, said E.T. It is something that you humans really like to do. Oh, said Jack, thank you for that. That does really narrow it down, doesn't it? He said sarcastically. I still don't know what you're talking about. E.T. replies, You guys really like to have some combination of being rich, famous, powerful, influential, and good-looking. Making progress in any of these areas gives you a bigger ego. There is no religion which says that you should have a big ego. 
In fact, every religion discourages you from being egoistic and encourages you to be reverent and humble in front of God. We came across an interesting experiment, said E.T., that was published in one of your science journals. It involves a rigged game of a board game called Monopoly, in which people were randomly assigned to one of two conditions. In the first condition, the players had the normal amount of money and the normal amount of moves. In the second condition, the people had twice the amount of money, twice the number of moves, and they got twice the amount of money when they passed start. The interesting thing was not who won, which is very predictable. It was what the people who won thought was the reason that they had won. The people who had twice the amount of money, twice the amount of moves inevitably won, but they attributed their win to having a better strategy and not the chance that got them into twice the amount of money and twice the amount of moves in the first place. You guys have a tendency to be full of yourself and attach a lot of importance to things that feed your ego. You want to feel special. You want to tell other people that you are special. You like it when other people acknowledge your specialness or make you feel special. That can be a good thing for mental health, but too much of that can be harmful. The truth is that being human is quite special and there is no need to try and be more special. Spirituality is a state of mind which is associated with stillness, deep peace, and something called self-transcendence, where you see yourself connected with something larger than yourself and no longer feel as interested in your own personal agenda, your own issues, and your need to be special. You don't feel the urge to be more special than other people. I see it as a step above happiness. In our species, we learn to be spiritual, says E.T. It is important for us because it is an essential component of a good quality of life once all your needs have been taken care of by your personal butler. Certain emotions can help you move towards spirituality. Gratitude can help. You can practice gratitude on purpose. This is often linked to humility. Both humility and gratitude can lead to acceptance. And that state also makes you more compassionate towards the suffering of other living creatures. Compassion is also an important component of spirituality. Humility is an interesting emotion, said E.T. You can feel it when things don't work out for you and you feel humiliated. That is unpleasant. You can also feel it when you do exceptionally well and you move on from feeling that you are special to appreciating everything else that went into your big achievement. That kind of humility feels very different and is a step before self-transcendence. This is your ultimate shortcut. You don't have to do all the things that make you feel special. You can go straight to humility knowing that you do not need to be special and are not that much more special than anybody else anyway. Your religious systems have practices that can make you more spiritual. Being religious is good for both your mental and physical health. Any religion, when practiced correctly, should make you feel more peaceful and contented. It can also elicit a sense of awe and wonder. But 
you can interpret and use religious ideas in a way that makes you feel angry and resentful towards the people who do not subscribe to your belief. This is a sign that you're doing it wrong. How can I be more spiritual? asks Jack. Am I even able to be more spiritual? I sometimes wonder if there is a spiritual part of me. Come with me, says E.T. And he takes Jack within Jack's own self. Jack finds himself going deeper and deeper until he comes to be in the presence of a being who looks very much like Jack. He seems calm and peaceful. Who are you? asks Jack. I am your spiritual self, says the being. Why have I never met you before? asks Jack. Your attention was taken up by all things outside of yourself that you were pursuing, replies Jack's spiritual self. It is so peaceful and pleasant to be in your presence, says Jack. I regret not coming here earlier. You need not regret, says his spiritual self. You have participated in the world and brought value to the people you worked for and to yourself. That is a good thing. What is it about you that makes me feel so good and peaceful? asks Jack. I am your core. I am your conscious self. Your inner nature is that of a child. It is filled with spontaneous joy and curiosity. As you get distracted by all the things that tempt you, that you chase after, you lose touch with your inner core. I am always here for you. How do I find you? asks Jack. Finding me is a skill that you need to learn. You need to draw your attention away from the things outside because I am inside of you. Certain states of mind will make it difficult for you to find me. Anger, resentment and being egoistic would make it difficult for you to turn inwards. Humility, gratitude and compassion towards your own self and other people will bring you close to me. I am always there whenever you need me. Jack woke up from the dream feeling a strange tranquility. He was calm. He found himself in a transcendent state of complete serenity. He felt grateful to be in that state. In our session, Jack told me that he had found a number of things that allowed him to move his baseline happiness above the original set point. He said, it is ironic that I am poorer financially than I have been most of my adult life. I'm in poorer physical health than I have ever been, and yet I feel better than I have felt at any point in my adult life. I wish I had known some of these things when I was younger. Could you summarize for our listeners how you improved your happiness levels from your natural baseline set point? I asked Jack. The very first thing I have done, which I think everyone can benefit from, is to find at least 30 minutes a day to do some kind of exercise. I aim for one hour on most days, but do no less than 30 minutes at least six times a week. When the weather is good, I go for a brisk walk. 
Sometimes I do yoga. Sometimes I do weights. This has added at least half a point for my happiness baseline. Setting a baseline expectation which is low has been really helpful. I have decided that if I have a roof over my head, food on the table, clothes to wear which are suitable for the weather, reasonable health, that is good enough. Anything more than that is a bonus. This approach has added another half a point to one point to my happiness scale. One of the things I have found increasingly difficult to deal with over time is distraction. I have always been distractible, but with the availability of smartphones and social media, as well as television shows which are readily available all day long, I find myself wasting a lot more time. I regret it. I am not as productive and that spoils the quality of my life. I have read a book called Indistractable that has got many good ideas about how to reduce distraction by near all. I would recommend that book to anybody so that they can reclaim the time of their day and do what they want to do rather than what they end up doing out of habit. That has added at least half a point to my happiness scale. Connecting with my spiritual self through meditation and through religious practices such as prayer has added another one point to my happiness scale. I am an 8 or 9 out of 10 on most days instead of a 6 out of 10 which was my baseline even when I was not depressed. I'm Dr. Rajiv Parinja, your host for Brain Politics. This is our 10th and last episode. I thank you for listening to this series. If you want to listen to previous episodes, you can go to wgte.org slash brainpolitics. I want to thank Chris Pfeiffer, who is our executive producer, for his guidance throughout this process and for the excellent music that he has added to all the episodes. I hope to come back with more material and I would appreciate any feedback, any questions or any recommendations that you have which you can provide by going to wgte.org slash brainpolitics and clicking on the link to ask questions. Thank you. WGTE. Voices around us. WGTE is supported in part by American Rescue Plan Act funds allocated by the City of Toledo and the Lucas County Commissioners and administered by the Arts Commission.